Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999 podcast like it's 1999 podcast like it you want a podcast like it's 1999 hello and welcome to podcast like it's 1999 the podcast where we talk about the awards of 1999 here from the shrine auditorium in 2019 now rename the code auditorium or is that a different place know. someone Sometimes on the Hollywood. podcast might it was know. the samuel goldwyn theater back then the oh Sam- was it not according to wikipedia well that the nominees were oh Oh. the actual ceremony took place at the shrine shrine, right in 99 yes at the shrine yeah the voice you're hearing is eric anderson our new favorite podcast guest uh (laughs) you remember him from last week where we talked about the hideous abomination (laughs) (laughs) but this week we're talking about something i think we all absolutely love which is the oscars and specifically the Oscars of 1999. Um, so nice to have you back, Eric. Thank you. It's nice to be back. I cannot wait to talk about this crazy, awful, wonderful year. This was this was an Oscars that, you know, it's, it's funny. As we've been doing this, I find my brain always kind of drifting back to these five films. I don't know if you feel the same way, Kenny, but it's like yeah, me too. these five movies. Not The Insider so much, but the other four. Yeah, for some I guess that's, yeah, I guess yeah. that's true. And I just keep thinking about like, why these five, you know? And, and it's, and it's not that, that I hate, I mean, hate's a strong word. I'm not even really sure. I, I really dislike the Cider House Rules to be sure. It's definitely the fifth in that ranking, but hate is a, is a very passionate thing. And I'm not passionate about the Cider House Rules. I just, I just dislike the movie. I don't feel the way about Cider House Rules that I do about, for instance, The Departed. But like but- ranking these five films now, I'd actually, I think that's an interesting way for us to start. It's this. easy. Um, Insider's number one for me. I, I would say Insider, American Beauty, Sixth Sense, 
Cedarhurst, uh, Green Mile, Cedarhurst Rules. And, and let me say, there is a big gap between some of these movies. I think that The Insider is head and shoulders above these other movies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've had our American Beauty conversation, and we certainly will have it with Eric, because I'd love to sort of, we have to talk about it in the conversation of, of, of the Oscars. Um, I don't like The Green Mile. I think The Green Mile is not a good movie, um, but I understand <clears throat> why it's nominated. The, it's, it's a strange five movies. Is, is ultimately what well, I'm getting at. Let, well, let's talk about all of them yeah. in a moment. I want yeah. to do my ranking, which I think is a nice little way to get into do this. Because I remember... I'd like to hear I, Eric's as well. Obviously. I actually quite remember my ranking in, in 99, too. Sure. In 99, I think it was American Beauty, The Insider, Six Sense, Green Mile, Cider House Rules. That was very clear in my head. That sounds right for um, me, too. These days, 20 years later, it really is a Six Sense number one for me. It really... It really? really? Just, yeah, it really... It really I'd be disingenuous if I said it was The Insider, which I've seen maybe once or twice in the last 20 years, and six since I've seen 20 or 30 times. Um, Insider's number two. American Beauty's probably number three. Green Mile, four. Cider House, five. I really think those three bottom movies um, are really piss-poor representations of, what, of this year and what filmmakers were capable of in the moment. But American Beauty is its own case. I, I was I was just going to say, and again, I, I you know I don't want this to become yet again another conversation of us going down this road. But I just want to say this one thing that I think that American Beauty is just is complicated, it's complicated. Which, I, which I think you recognize. Yeah. Um, things I like about it, things I strongly don't like about it. Um, I have real problems with the movie, um, but I understand within the context of 1999 why it became the film that it became. What are your thoughts on American Beauty, Eric? Um, and your ranking, if you want to do yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Let me. I'll do. I'll do my ranking. Uh, like current ranking or ranking then? Because I do think current ranking. Be, uh, my current ranking would be uh, Insider, uh, Six Sense, American Beauty, Green Mile, Insider House Rules. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. What 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 are your thoughts on American Beauty then and, and American Beauty now? It, it feels like that's the place to start talking about the Oscars in '99. Um, even, even in a, in a year that I, like I've said that I absolutely love, uh, and like, even though none of my like top five films are, were nominated for best picture. It's a, it's just a great year. I, at the time really liked American beauty. Uh, I, but yes, it's, as did I. As did it, I. Is, it is a, it is a, it's a complicated film and a complicated one to talk about. It's, it is now <laughs> problematic to look at for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not the least of which is the mere existence of Kevin Spacey. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it falls into, you know, a lot of traps of, of how to write a gay character, even though it's written by a gay man. Um, but this this was this was a, a film where I I let myself kind of be sucked into the artifice of it and the stylization of it because the the music and photography in in this are really really different than what you would normally see in a story like this, a story like this could have been presented in a pretty flat kind of way that just didn't, um, 
that didn't spark much. But but this did, and it's kind of weird that I you know look at Cider House Rules and condemn it essentially for doing the same thing. Um, but I I got more from this. It's, I got more yeah. from American Beauty. It's it's so much better and more interesting than the Cider House Rules. And I think your point, I never really thought about it from that perspective, kind of how potentially mundane this story is in the wrong hands. Um, sure. And they got the most out of it. Mendez got the most out of it. Um, we, well, I mean, yes, sir, go. We, we, we actually, this was supposed to be our first show, American Beauty. And we recorded it. And uh, within days of recording it, the, the first Kevin Spacey thing <laughs> dropped, the, the Anthony Rapp thing. And um and we pushed it and we made it our fifth thing, but um we made eyes wide shut our first made eyes wide shut our first which which I think to in be a better is, move yeah, anyway, good. but um but we really kind of condemned the movie even before the Kevin Spacey stuff, um because it's an incredibly fl- it's an incredibly flawed premise and it is so morally objectable um objectionable and I'm not really even talking about. Uh, kind of the the underage stuff. Well, you know, I think that the film is, you know, it, it was the reason we picked it to be number to be our first episode was because it, it does feel like it encapsulates so much of 1999. I mean, it, of of what we're trying to do with the films of 99, and because it won, it won Best Picture. It it, it was obviously a, a tremendous uh, uh, financial success. It made a ton of money on a mm-hmm. relatively small budget. It was a paradigm it was, shifter. Too. It was a big movie for DreamWorks. It put them on the map in a lot of ways. I mean, not that they needed yes. to put on the map necessarily, but that was the moment when they were like, you know, legitimized. Um, it was a huge, it was a huge paradigm shift, as you said. It, it, um, it also kind of gave birth to um, a certain strand of prestige TV, obviously six sure, feet under, sure. but so many other things were birthed, birthed from no, it. It, it, like it allowed every, every domestic thing, weeds and, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, just going on and on and any like domestic uh, show that, mm-hmm. that came off of the six feet under kind of stuff. So from the two thousands forward, I felt like had, had the DNA of this show in it. Well, it's interesting because it feels like the two movies and I'm, I'm looking at sort of on the Wikipedia page of all the nominees from 99 and, and, you know, the two movies that jump out at me uh, are American Beauty and being John Malkovich and how you mm-hmm. can see so much of them, those two voices in so much afterwards, you know, the, the magic realism that exists, the, 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 the palatable magic realism that exists in American beauty that becomes sort of that like cynical kind of like fun, jaded element that exists in so much television and movies after American beauty. And then the, just the, the, and I hate the fucking word quirky, but the quirky surrealism that is Charlie Kaufman that a bunch of people try to ape from him moving forward a little bit too. Do you think anyone did it successfully? I mean, some people think Maniac did it successfully, but it took a while. I don't really know. Seem Kaufmanish to me, but you, that seems more like Terry Gilliam to me. I, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of Maniac to 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 say. But to your point, I don't think anyone has done it. I mean, Spike Jones in her, you know what I mean, well, did it relatively successfully. Well, that's him. I know, but I'm just okay. I'm saying that. Point being that I think it's I think it's very interesting how seismic American Beauty was for a movie that, for all intents and purposes, is quite small. Yeah. It's it's small in its story. It's small in what it's trying to say. Um, you know, I, when when Sam Mendes won the Oscar, he he famously talked about the the apartment. Um, 
and how much of a touchstone that movie was for American Beauty. And you can see that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that there's definitely that sort of, that introspective, that idea of, of gender normity, gender roles. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that American Beauty has, has so much good and so much bad. It's just very complicated. Um, yeah. So I guess the question, let's, let's start, let's, why don't we start with screenplay and work our way up to, to well, I, I, let's, let's okay, keep sorry. going on this. Eric, okay. I want to know why <laughs> you think it won. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, I think it won because, because it did feel at the time, uh, super progressive. Uh, I think they really enjoyed that. This was a, a directorial debut uh, that had so much flash and uh, I, I, I don't know. It's. <laughs> Do you think they saw themselves in this movie? Do you think uh, that Academy members I, I, saw I, themselves I, in this movie? Yes, I think there is that because you, even in a a much more expansive membership now, this is it's still a uh, a a white male dominated yeah. academy. And this is a film that does not really like women. No, it uh, does not. They're, they're all yeah. either, either, either written as harpies or sluts or the, or like in Alice and Janney's case, not written at all. Yeah. You know, it's when we were talking about it on our episode, the character that I found myself the most surprised by her evolution is Angela, of all people. Well, that's the only Amina yes. Suvari character. Yeah, is the only that, one who gets an arc. She, she gets – well, I mean, I think Thora Birch gets an arc too, but – Not um, a positive one, but, but yeah. yeah. you know, I, the way I feel about this movie, I think this movie goes out of its way to be unfair to the female character. Specifically Hillary. Uh, specifically, specifically Annette Benning. Annette Benning. I think it, there, this movie isn't – I, I understand that it, it's told from – Lester's point of view, but it really is a two-hander. There are so many scenes where your POV is Annette Bennings. And the um I guess kind of the word is the way the movie condemns her behavior and champions his behavior when it's not that dissimilar, and if anything, she's being more responsible, um, is very upsetting. Like it's 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 kind of very it was very upsetting on rewatch to see how how unsympathetic and how lacking in just kind of generosity it had towards this human being and the way she was going through the, through, through her life versus this asshole who decided <laughs> to re- revert to being a 17 year old and destroy his family and the way they acted as if he had finally figured out the secret of life. So. Yeah. And that's, and, and, and again, like, you know, whether it's cider house rules or, or any movie you're, you're looking at the, the perspective you're looking at, at who, who Lester is uh, in terms of the, the audience. Um, it's when, when I say though, too, that, that I think the, the, the women are largely poorly written. It's, it's tough because there's, there's always going to be, whether it's a stereotype or not, uh, a connection between uh, gay men and very melodramatic 
women, especially in movies or whatever. So when when I think about Alan Ball writing these these characters, and especially uh, uh, Annette Bening's Carolyn, I th- I think you can look at her from a few different perspectives. I think she can be looked at as you know as shrewish and and harpyish and terrible. I think she can be looked at from a a gay perspective uh, as a non-negative interpretation Hmm. Um, and in a way heroic as well. Um, And, and I, and I think you have to, I think you, you can only bring to your, your feeling about a movie or a character, your, your own personality and your own at anything. Um, and and I, I I actually look at at Carolyn Burnham as a a pretty heroic woman, um, and I think that just comes from my my own how how I look at movies, how I've always had to look at movies uh, since I was a kid, and how I can look at you know Mildred Pierce and all of these extremely fierce women who have to do things differently because the men around them are so terrible. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't want to, and I don't really look at somebody like Carolyn Burnham as a, a bad person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that I do think that part of that is a testament to Annette Bening's performance. I mean, I think that she's, she, fucking amazing. she's amazing in that film. And, she, and I, and as much as I obviously think Hillary Swank should have won, I, I do think that Annette Bening is, is a very, very, very close second. Well, I, me. I mean, I, the, the, I agree with everything you said. Um, and I, I that, that's kind of why I find the movie as a whole so insulting. Yeah. Because I do think that, she is the only person in the movie, the character is the only character in the movie who is trying her best to be an adult. Um, <laughs> and really, yeah. like, I, I yeah. and she has the weight of the world, the pressure of the entire family. She's constantly taught, like, like, the whole harpy thing. What she's harping on is I have to provide for the whole family now. I have to cook the meals. I have to make the money. I have to drive your ass to work and you're home smoking pot. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like that's what she's, she, all she's doing is, is yelling at him. Um, it's, it's basically spewing reality at this guy as he sits there and smokes pot and, uh, lifts, lifts weights and lusts after a 17 year old, 16 year old. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and, and it's treated like the hero of the movie. So I see the reading that she is at truly the hero of the movie. I agree with it, but I don't think the movie. I I I think that we are kind of contorting the movie. Um, to the movie is that. having the movie is having too much fun, quote unquote. Yeah. with the idea of what Lester like it. it and listen, who knows if it's Alan Ball or if it's uh, Sam Mendes or if it's a studio note? I don't know. But to me, it feels like they're like, but it's fun. He's smoking pot and he's got a remote control car and he's acting like a kid. Like we need to have fun with that. And I think that that muddies the message. So there's an analog here with Fight Club a little bit, right? And this is maybe I maybe I'm going to undercut my own point. Or I might wind up disagreeing with myself, <laughs> but. I think the three of us, based on our conversation last 
episode about Fight Club. I, I know Phil and I feel like Fight Club is very obviously a, a commentary on male, tox- male toxicity and consumerism. Um, and there's a whole group of people who think it's actually just a movie about how great it is to fight people. <laughs> um, how great it is to make other men bleed. How great it is to fight people or blow shit up. Yeah. And like, that's like cool and fun. But that's, to me, that is not text. That is not subtext. That is, that is a, that is a dummies reading into this movie. Um, and as much as I want to assume intent and if I see it, it's there. I mean, if I see it, the, the director intended it. Um, I don't get that feeling from American Beauty. The feeling I get from American Beauty really is being a toxic male is pretty cool, bro. Like that's what you should be doing. <laughs> I so, agree. That seems to be the well. It, that's that's absolutely true because, and you're right. Every everything that Lester Burnham do, does uh, in his you know post midlife crisis is traditional, super cool stuff. And what Carolyn does is much more devastating. I will take Annette Benning slapping herself in the face <laughs> over anything that Kevin Spacey does in that movie. Love it. I agree. I because 100% that, agree. That, is, that is actually a moment where Alan Ball gives her, gives that character the respect uh, of her situation. Uh it, where 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 he doesn't anywhere else it's interesting that you that you would say that because i do feel like when we were given sort of the quote-unquote pure allen ball in six feet under when he was given the power to do what he wanted to do i think he i think he created some incredibly three-dimensional women i think he oh, absolutely i think that the female characters on six feet under are, are tremendous um which would lead me to believe that the process of american beauty which sounded complicated at best very lots of drafts, a, a, an original script that had much more to do with a murder mystery. Um, yes. You know, so I, I think that um, what came out of the grist mill of development and what have you uh, is a movie that a lot of people adored, myself included, and a lot of us here when it came out. And now in hindsight is, is more problematic due to circumstances that maybe the film shouldn't be, you know, the movie shouldn't be blasted for casting Kevin Spacey necessarily. Um, but it casts a pall on the movie now. So here's a question I have for you guys, which I was thinking about, which there isn't, obviously there isn't a right or wrong answer to this, but what do you guys think was number six? What was the sixth movie that didn't make the cut for best picture? If you uh, were to guess. I, I know what I, it was. You think I it was would have to say being John Malkovich. It's definitely being John You think Malkovich. it was being John Malkovich? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, yeah. Just based on, on its nominations well, of director and screenplay? I, 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 okay. Well, I, I think it's a, I think it's in, it might be or might seem like an easy call because of that director nomination, but you know, everybody, all the branches vote uh, individually yep. and the director's branch is at the time when there were just, you know, five best picture nominees was really, really pretty famous for these lone director nominations. It happened all the time. Happened so, this year uh, with, with, with cold war. Yes. Yes. Oh, I, may, uh, maybe he won for all I, all I know. <laughs> we're, we're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday, so yeah. but yes. <laughs> no. Yes, you're right. But um, it's it's much more difficult, obviously, in the expanded era because there's more nominees. Um, I, I think it's reasonable to to think that being John Malkovich would have been the sixth nominee, not just because of the the lone director nomination for Spike Jones, but when you look 
down the line at all of the other categories, there wasn't anything that would have stood out as as a, a likely sixth. It probably wasn't talented Mr. Ripley or Magnolia or Topsy Turvy. Uh, it's all all signs point to being John Malkovich. It's just, I mean, God, can you imagine if we lived in a world where it was being John Malkovich instead of Cider House Rules? It wouldn't have. So that's <laughs> what was going to be my second point. Um, again, I feel like I really remember this year very clearly. Cider House Rules wasn't the fifth. I think Green Mile was the fifth. Green Mile was absolutely the fifth. And I think it, Green Mile was the was the. It, it wasn't. It, it it didn't have that same like it, insulting thing that Cider House Rules kind of had. But Green Mile was kind of like, wow, Frank Darabont is really beloved, cut type thing. Tom Hanks is really beloved. That they took this like B plus of a movie and like we've we've done this movie already. I think it's a fucking C minus, but whatever. At the time, I think everyone was like this B plus of a movie. Yeah, because you're looking and, at the nominations. Tom didn't. Tom Hanks didn't get a nomination. No, for and it. they wrote this this movie to a best picture nomination in a year because I thought that. Uh, I, I remember predictions at the time being like, all right, American Beauty is a lock. Insider's probably a lock. Cider House Rules seemed to have been a lock at the time. Sixth Sense was your kind of like, let's do this weird thing. But it did seem that like- That was the one I was the most surprised about. But it did honest. seem like it was going to get nominated because it was such a hit. It was huge. So yeah. well received. Everybody loved it. Um, and Shyamalan also had this mendez thing. And then, yeah, Green Mile was the shock. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. That's, that's a, that is very astute because, you know, you, uh, Darabont doesn't get nominated for director for it. It gets a nomination for screenplay. It gets a nomination for supporting actor. And that's kind of it. Um, it's, it's interesting. I, I mean, let, let's talk about the best director nomination or do you want to talk about screenplay? Let's, we could do however you want, but I do want to get back to, to picture. Okay. Well, okay. We still have a lot of nominations <laughs> to cover. So well. let's, let's talk about screenplay. Let's just start there. Um, Let's talk about, because it does involve the movie we covered last week, uh, Cider House Rules. Let's talk about adapted screenplay. Uh, You have Cider Cider House Rules, John Irving, Election, Alexander Payne, Jim Taylor, based on the Tom Parada novel, uh, Green Mile, Frank Darabont, based on the Stephen King book, The Insider, Eric Roth, and Michael Mann, based on the Vanity Fair article, The Man Who Knew Too Much, uh, and then Tom to Mr. Ripley, adapted by Anthony Minghella from the novel by Patricia Hinesmith. Um, All of these are better than the Cider House Rules. (laughs) All four uh, I, nominees. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hesitate for a moment to say that both Oscar winners in each of the screenplay categories are the worst of the nominees. Yeah, I, 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 I. We can have the discussion. I mean, I, okay. <laughs> let, let's. We'll just do screenplay overall. Uh, for original, we had Alan Ball for for American Beauty, who won. Being John Malkovich, Charlie Kaufman, Magnolia, Paul Thomas Anderson, The Sixth Sense, M Night Shyamalan, and Topsy Turvy, Mike Lee. Uh, I would agree that I would definitely give it to. I would give it to Charlie Kaufman or Paul Thomas Anderson. I haven't seen Top Jester in a very long time, so I can't speak to that. And I like The Sixth Sense, but I don't love it as much as Kenny does. So I would put American Beauty third in that the in those uh, those nominees, and I'd put Cider House Rules probably above the Green Mile, maybe. I I might. I just I was just kind of wanting to punctuate that for a fact. Yes, 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 absolutely. I, I, fair. I, I, fair. I think you're right. The Green Mile would be tough to I, hate more. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think, I mean, in terms of adapted, I, I think Green Mile's better than fucking Cider House Rules. I just do. I think, like, I think they're more interesting characters there. Um, I think the, hmm. 
I, I don't know. I think these movies are really, I mean, they both suck. They're really bad movies, <laughs> but I, I just, I truly do like Green Mile more. I like that it's more, I like that it's more self-contained. I like that the, it's, you know, there's narrative propulsion in the entire movie. Um, I just do think it's, it, I think it looks better. I think it's more moody. Um, which, which are you talking about? Right I think now? Green Mile looks better, okay. but again, that's not a screenplay. Thing. So what would you, what would you of the adapted? Election. One of my favorite election. fucking movies yeah, ever I, I probably would go with that too. Uh, Eric? It's not even close. Yeah, it's not even close. Election. Yeah. Ele- I think Election is, uh, first of all, it's amazing it got nominated because. I'd put Ripley underneath it though. I really loved Ripley. Ripley That's would be two for me. Yeah. I mean, ele- Election, Ripley, so Insider, Green Mile, Cider House would be my, yeah. my order. And what would your, what would your order be for uh, original, Eric? Um... <laughs> <laughs> It's really tough. Um, <laughs> uh, I oh jeez. Uh, all right. I, I, I assume gun, you're gun, fighting gun in to, your head between being John Malkovich and Magnolia. Yeah, gun to my head. I, I'll <laughs> I'll say being John Malkovich and then Magnolia. It's the fight of this podcast. It is. That is. That's that's basically like if if that's not your number one and two of ninety nine. There's I, I don't know. We're not friends with you. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we like you can't sit we, with us. We um you can't sit with us exactly. We <laughs> we 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 came down on that same side. We always have, right? We we Phil and I did our top ten for the year independently of each other, and we had being John Malkovich, Magnolia one two, yep. both of us, and I still get this creeping sense at the end of this podcast after we've done all 250 movies in 2024 um and television we will have uh, we will have elevated magnolia over um but i'm not sure right now being john malkovich brian john malkovich election and magnolia are three of my favorite movies probably three of my 10 top 10 favorite movies ever made yeah um I would vote for Benjamin Malkovich. It's such a fucking revolutionary screenplay, but I don't know if it's a better movie. Um, so I want to talk about arguably, I think for me anyway, the hardest nomination in 99. I don't know how you feel about this, Eric, but I look at the being uh, the best supporting actress nomination. Um, you have Angelina Jolie for girl interrupted, Tony Collette for the sixth sense, Catherine Keener being John Malkovich, Samantha Morton for sweet and lowdown and Chloe Savengi for seven year for boys. Don't cry. Yeah. Um, so Angelina wins as sort of a star is born, right? I mean, is that sort of, do you have that take? Yeah, I'm, I am not a fan of this win or even nomination. <laughs> yeah. We haven't done Girl and Interrupted yet. I like Angelina Jolie a lot. As do I. I, I, I really, I, I mean, we, we did, we have done The Bone Collector and we've seen the. She should have gotten nominated for that. We've seen the we've seen the birth of a star. Like she is, she is undeniable in that movie. Where you're just like, okay, this is the. She has a presence. She's she's stunning. She's, she's There's no one like her. Yeah. She's different. Uh, we have watched Girl Interrupted. We have not done the episode yet. Um, and and listen, she's not terrible in that movie, but like, it's not a, it's not an Oscar worthy performance. No, it's. <laughs> I, it's fine. <laughs> yeah and not like you know house on fire it's fine but it's it's fine but <laughs> you're not the dog in the house <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is fine exactly is it so um i, I mean it, it's safe to say it's your it's your five right it's absolutely my five of this list uh but the i mean the biggest crime of this list is that even though i like and oh, I mean, I fucking love Tony Collette's nomination here. Yeah. Um, 
And and I have nothing bad to say about Keener, Morton, or Sevigny and their nominations. The fact that Cameron Diaz is not here makes all of it just awful to me. Yeah, she is I, she is so good in that movie that I forget she's in that movie. And that's not to say that I don't, you know what I mean? Like I forget that it's Cameron Diaz in that movie. But you you know you know how I feel about this movie in this performance. Well, Catherine Keener is. I think Catherine Keener gives the best supporting performance in film history in this movie. <laughs> um, I love her. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, and I'm not, I'm, obviously, I'm with you on, on Cameron Diaz. I should have been nominated. But I think what Catherine Keener, Keener does in that movie. Oh, she's so good. Uh, is fucking spellbinding. I, it's, it's, it's such an impossible task. And it's she perfect. holds the it's entire perfect. movie together. I, and she's just. <sighs> She just, her delivery is so, it's like, it's, it's almost surgical how fucking good she is in that movie. I I just, I absolutely adore it. Um, So my ranking, if I had to rank these five, I would say Catherine Keener, Tony Collette, Chloe, Samantha, Angelina. Catherine Keener. Okay. I would do Catherine Keener, Chloe, Tony, Samantha, Angelina. Still want to say one thing about Angelina though. Um, who I, who I also am in love with, is, uh, who I think is just, just so singular. She's magnetic. Um, she really is. I do. I, I think that there's something about these, these type of performances. I always think back to Edward Norton and Primal Fear. Mm-hmm. Um, how, despite that not being a particularly well-reviewed movie, everyone knew from the moment that he came on screen that he was going to win. And I feel that this was very similar. And sometimes there are just these roles that are written in such a way they're, they're, it's almost by accident that they're perfect Oscar bait. And it doesn't really bother me that much. Like I don't, this isn't a blight to me. Um, even though she won over some performances, I think are just legendary. It's not a blight on, on the awards in the same way as some are. Oh, in the I, same I, way as the best supporting actor is. Cause I think Michael Caine is a blight oh, on I the agree. awards. I agree. So, mm-hmm. um, what would your ranking be Eric for supporting actors? Um, I think it would be Catherine Keener, Tony Collette, Samantha Morton, Chloe Sevigny, and then Angelina Jolie. Interesting. You know what's interesting? Uh, we're about to go. Well, we'll see what happens in Best Supporting Actor, but I think it's possible that we're going to go like the winner is fifth, almost in every one of these categories. Well, not, not actress. <laughs> yeah, no, not actress. Um, and and by yeah. the way, not actor either. But. Um, so. Best Supporting no. Actor, we have Michael Caine for Cider House Rules, Tom Cruise, Magnolia, Michael Clark Duncan for The Green Mile, Jude Law for The Talented Mr. Ripley, and Haley Joel Osment for The Sixth Sense. Can we all agree Tom Cruise was robbed, yes. blind? Yes. Uh, Tom Cruise, Jude Law, and Haley Joel Osment were robbed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tom Cruise, this, this felt like, this was the one. Like, this felt like a layup to me. And it's not because of the fact that he cries at a dying father's bedside and all of that. It's, it is a, it is the anti Tom Cruise performance. This is, this is him in a year where he has spent two some odd years in fucking London being told to walk down a hallway 99 times. (laughs) (laughs) He he comes back, he makes mission impossible Two in Magnolia. And he basically says like, yeah, like just, I'm gonna, I'm going to play a deeply misogynistic, terrible human, and people are gonna love me because I'm Tom Cruise, and they're gonna, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to tear apart the persona that is Tom Cruise, 
and he does it beautifully. He is phenomenal in this movie. The this the interview, oh, is mm-hmm. is, yeah. my, is one of my favorite scenes in movie history. Oh, he's just he he's just he is fantastic in the movie, and I love Jude Law. And 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 as we said when we did our fifty two in review, Kenny, I, I I'm a big fan of Haley Joel Osment in the Sixth Sense. Uh, I think he's fantastic. Um, and Michael Clark Duncan is 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 completely solid like he's he's not he's not bad he's not i don't think he's fantastic but i think he does a good job he's at he's asked to do some really fucking shitty things i think like i think he's at i I think he does a really good job but it's very clear to me that they were going for something that's like kind of deeply racist sure and you mean um, magical negro yeah Yeah. but like really truly magical negro yeah um but like in like like in the most like in the most obvious and backward southern you know we're we're actually like good for having slaves type way it's weird um and and, you got michael king giving one of the worst accents new england accents i've ever heard thank you for saying that it's awful (laughs) because it's fucking garbage (laughs) Oh, it's. It, it, it was it even a fucking. I thought he was doing I don't Scottish. Know what he was it was horrible. It was awful. And uh, and he's not a character. He's a platitude delivering machine. I I absolutely. hated that shit. Did you catch the part in that movie where he's like, you know, I see it all the time. Mothers who drink always deliver. It's like, yeah. shut up, dude. Like, <laughs> shut up, Wilbur. Shut up, Wilbur. <laughs> Wilbur Larch. It's yeah. I, I mean, it's it's. I remember when he won, and we we tend to get. And this is something I, I sort of want to talk to you about, Eric. But like, when you do get a big shocking thing, it's usually in your supporting actor. This wasn't a shock. People knew this was coming, right, Eric? Back me up. <laughs> yes, ish. Yes, ish. It felt like Alan Arkin winning for uh, for Little Miss Sunshine, that, which is a good analog. People knew that was coming too. I think people in both of these situations were hoping that it wasn't coming, but it's, it is coming. So you think everyone yeah. knew Tom Cruise was going to lose? I think everyone sensed he was going to lose. I think everyone, yeah, yeah I think people yeah, kind of okay. were like hoping it's one of those like La La Land Moonlight things where everyone was hoping that maybe Moonlight can win, but everyone expected La La Land to win. But I think there's a really That's special and, and, and uh, fucked up relationship that, that, Hollywood has with Tom Cruise, yeah. Because if Abusive. this wasn't, <laughs> yeah, it's extremely, extremely that where he'll. I don't think he'll ever win anything ever, but they'll they'll nominate him to to tease him, to torture him. Um, he gets like I a think, lifetime achievement award at some point. No, I don't think he'll even ever get that. Um, oh, wow, I, I think That's monstrous. <laughs> You're a monster. I, that is, I, no. <laughs> I think his I think his Scientology legitimately mm. has has hurt this element of his career because I don't think you could take you couldn't look at any other person and and say this is a humongous box office star and he certainly was at the time he even still is now yeah and be a previous nominee and have this role and Eyes Wide Shut in the same year. You put any other actor in that. That is that's gold. That is bait for a win. So to be nominated for best actor for Eyes Wide Shut. I as know well. it's like you put and no, and these are two fucking iconic movies and iconic yeah. performances. You did the same thing with Kate Winslet with two stupid movies, and yeah. she won for one of them. So yeah. two stupid bad movies. 
Um, I, I think he had not, if he was not <laughs> a Scientologist, he could have made a, a very real play for a win here. Has a Scientologist ever won an Oscar? Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Oh, my God. I'd have I'm, I'm going to Google Isaac Hayes. Isaac, Isaac Hayes actually did, but that's, um, that was probably, that was yeah, probably that, before he was a Scientologist. I think it was before anybody was, yeah. yeah. Um, I should have. Yeah, wow. I mean, I don't, I don't. It, uh, Paul Haggis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There yes. You there you go. Who so, has now denounced it? Now has denounced it. Yeah. Um. So, uh, you know, I'm gonna rank them. Tom Cruise is my number one. Jude Law is my number two. Haley Joel Osment number three. Michael Clark Duncan. Then Michael Caine. Me too. Mine's exact. Mine's the same. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will say Kenny brought this up a couple weeks ago, actually, on the Jude Law of it all, um, and how Jude Law of it all. It would it would have been an interesting had he won because again this was a Star Is Born performance. Like it could have been him and Angelina, and I would have bought that too. I would have preferred that. You know, uh, I mean, how much would that have changed Jude Law's career had he had won in 1999 for that performance? I don't know. He was in so many movies. Like he just, it just felt like they just, Hollywood just did not know what to do with him. And they put him in yeah, everything, everything. Yeah. But you, you don't, same he with was Colin like Farrell. the Jessica Chastain of the nineties and early 2000s. He was Jessica Chastain. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica Chastain. When's she going to win? Oh, she's not quite 80. Amy Adams. Oh yeah. Amy Adams. Also going to lose this. I, year, right? I, I love, I hope so. I love both of those. <laughs> <laughs> I love both of both. those actresses. I do too. Uh, uh I love them so much, actually. I really, I really don't. I was gonna use it as a, as a opportunity to disparage Jessica Chastain a little bit, but no, I don't really feel that way. I feel like what she did in Zero Dark Thirty is kind of beyond what what she should have won. Yeah, she should have won. I mean, it feels like uh, to, they're following in the footsteps of a fellow redhead, uh, Julianne Moore. I think she they're. Did win. I think they're both going to be doing. They're going to be working for a long time before they win one. And the one in their 50s. What did she win for? Some movie oh, where she can't feel shit? Alice or something? Is that what it was, Eric? Still, still Alice. Alice. Still Don't Alice. you dare besmirch Still Alice. Did still I'm Alice... sorry. I'm sorry. I wasn't yeah. sure what it was that, called. That's an early onset Alzheimer's movie? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's tough. But yeah, I think Oscars have a real... Uh, uh, they have something against redheads. <laughs> they do. A thousand per- Americans have something against redheads. <laughs> I mean, Deborah Kerr never won either, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Robert Redford never won for acting. Um, 
So best actress is kind of, I mean, I mean, Hillary Swank for Boys Don't Cry, Annette Benning, American Beauty, uh, Janet McTeer for Tumbleweeds, Julianne Moore for End of the Affair, Meryl Streep for Music of the Heart. Worst nomination that, of the entire Oscars. That is a, that's a rough, rough nomination. <laughs> I mean, considering the roles that were out there, I just, I don't, there was still, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer for The Story of Us. <laughs> Well, let's be let let's be uh, let's be serious okay. for a I'm second. I'm absolutely kidding. I know this okay. is this is one no this is one of those years. I love uh, Michelle Pfeiffer though. It, it happens every um every so often. Yeah, where it kind of is happening this year, where um there just doesn't feel like there are enough big big movies, big big performances to fill out a category, which is obviously never true in real life, right? It's never true that there aren't enough lead actor, yeah. great lead actress performances to fill out a category. But what should have been nominated here instead? Oh my god! Oh boy! But that's that's, that's, that's the tough. problem. Is that there? There actually aren't. There aren't that many female-led films from that year that are that would really stand a chance. Which is why you have somebody like. Janet McTeer in Tumbleweeds there. It's a great nomination and I'm absolutely not discounting it. But when you look at, um, when you look at that lineup and, and how, how deep they have to go into Indies and tiny, tiny Indies, it shows how, how poorly female led films are represented. But the fact that, you know, Reese Witherspoon, I was just going to say, that's what I would say. That's the big one. Come on. Come on. Reese is the obvious one. Cecilia Roth in All About My Mother. I mean, that's yeah, also true. You you can go there if you are really really willing to look. And they also saw the movies. Yeah, those movies got nominated, got nominations. So yeah. I mean, I also think that the the glaring omission for me is uh, Nicole Kidman for Eyes Wide Shut. Glaring. Yeah, but that's supporting. That could have. I, I mean, that would have been that's Angelina's slot, if you ask me. Well, that could have been a supporting role. It also could have been like on, you know, it could have been on a Francis McDormand Fargo type thing where you could have pushed for her for best actress. Easily. You know, she's more than half an hour screen time. I just don't feel like, I mean, listen, Eyes Wide Shut is a film that, and and we talked about this on our episode, but a movie that was just not given its due when it came out. It came out in July. It was a summer movie. It's it's complicated. It's a weird movie uh, for sure. But None, no Oscar nominations <laughs> is bonkers. It's fucking bonkers for a Stanley Kubrick movie. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Yeah. But people really, <coughs> it, 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 it wasn't appreciated in its own time, which is crazy. It's for Kubrick's first movie in what, 13 years. It really just wasn't appreciated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously Hillary Swank was my number one. I'd say Nat Benning was number two for me. Uh, I have not seen Tumbleweed, so I can't, I can't speak to that you will i will she's great i'm sure she is uh julia moore i I actually quite liked end of the affair i saw that in the theater and actually i I thought julia moore was great in it uh i mean music of the heart is just we shouldn't be talking about music of the heart (laughs) let's not let's not waste our breath on music of the heart i'll throw out uh, a couple more because we did our 52 in review eric our 52 in review is a a real navel gazing gazing (laughs) look at at our first 52 episodes, and we did awards for the first 52 movies we did. Um, wow. Navel gazing in, in the year of American beauty is, is <laughs> it was a tr- quite yes, on point. It was literally a tribute to the navel gazing of that poster. <laughs> um, and I'll throw out like what two other movies that I had. Uh, my nominees for, for the ones we had done 
were Swank, Kidman, Benning. Yeah. And then Julie Roberts for Notting Hill. Yes. Um, if yes. you're gonna and if you're gonna go to Meryl Street for Music of the Heart, you have certainly opened the door to that type of movie. I agree. And uh Franco Potente for L- Run Lola Run. Yes, yes, yes. Um <laughs> <laughs> yes. which you know may not have qualified in 99 it may have no no it did it was a, it, i don't know eric how do, how do foreign releases work is it when they're released in america or is it just a matter it, of when it, the- it, it it depends on on the category it it has to if it's for foreign language film it has to uh be i think it's uh, like october okay uh, okay of that year but um yeah, it's the 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 rules are are different, and it's when it when it's in the home country versus here. If it gets a a like City of God, for example. Oh yeah, it had a weird thing, right? Yeah, is had a had a split between its its releases, but but managed its nominations. Uh, I see. It was over two years, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, it, but the the point is, I think those two, yeah, those two performances easily could have been. Um, I also I, I talked about Sissy Spacek in the Straight Story, who I thought was fantastic More as well. Actress, also a supporting so, actress for yeah. sure. And I talked. I mean, I I I I loved uh, Michelle Williams and uh, Kirsten Dunst and Dick. I thought they were both fantastic. And I love Dick. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and obviously, no. <laughs> shout out to Jared Weiselman. Yes. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar in Cruel Intentions. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, best actor. Uh, Kevin Spacey won for American Beauty. Russell Crowe was nominated for The Insider. Richard Farnsworth for The Straight Story. Sean Penn, Sweet and Lowdown. Denzel Washington for The Hurricane. Um, I mean, you'll know better than than we will, but I felt like Russell Crowe had a lot of momentum. Am I crazy? Um, or was he just never? I, was it always just going to be Kevin Spacey and no one, no one really I, had a shot? I, I think so. I don't think there was any real momentum for. For Russell Crowe, the the fact that that the Insider got as many nominations as it did was a testament one to the film. <laughs> it absolutely was that, yeah. uh, and because it's not that it wasn't expected, it was just like this is a, a a pretty subversive, weird film, even as a studio film, uh, and it's still it, it still hit. Yeah, I mean, I it, it's interesting because you know Crow wins the next year. For Gladiator, which a lot of people yeah. felt was like he should have won for The Insider, but they gave it to him for Gladiator. There's so much of that. That movie is just not for me. But, but Gladiator, the Oscars are full yeah. of those kind of wins. Gladiator yeah. is the is um, it's not the worst movie that won Best Picture because uh, it's not really a bad movie. Yeah, but it is kind of the um, the stupidest movie that's won Best Picture as as like yeah. As far as I can tell, it's kind of the stupidest winner. It's just big. It's yeah. just, like, just big in scope. Like, and as it's I just, said, yeah. I love Aquaman, but I don't want Aquaman <laughs> to win Best Picture. And it's crazy. They said, this is greater. <laughs> there, um, I will say, though, in terms of what you were referring to, Eric, of those wins the next year for the lesser performance, the one I always think about is Tommy Lee Jones for The Fugitive. Um, I hate that win so fucking much. What, did he, what, what was he, he lost should, for JFK? He should have won for JFK. He should have won for JFK. He wins for The Fugitive, and he beats Ray Fiennes for Schindler's List. And I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio. And Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. It's yeah. like, it's, it is, yeah. That's one of those wins where, and this is also common, which obviously you know, Eric, of like wanting to always try to give an award 
to all the nominees for best picture, like trying to, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> where you have like, you know, Pesci wins for Goodfellas and that's basically all Goodfellas wins. Yeah. It's like, here's your, here's your honorary Oscar for everything. They do it a lot with screenplay, obviously. They well, do they it just did time. it last year. Yeah. With so, both of them. Yeah, basically. Um, Which is I, a bummer. I think that, in this, this is one category that you know is as right as any category can be. I guess. I guess. Um, Spacey, obviously, you know, I'm not going to pretend I didn't think that performance was great. Um, Russell Crowe is great. Rich Farnsworth. Is I love amazing. Farnsworth so much. Sean Penn. I haven't seen that movie in 20 years, and uh, I think I think that movie is going to be better than you think. And it, we'll it is good. Well, it's going to be great. It's so going to be an interesting more, conversation. Yeah. Um, yes, and Denzel, I'm just thankful we don't have a Woody film that Woody's in. It's it's funny the it's funny how often Denzel kind of has gotten nominated for just having a movie out, yeah. like he did yeah. last year. Well, he's 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 the 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 actor version of Meryl Streep. He is. Madison. He is. He's great, though. I mean, I like I I don't I don't ever I love Denzel. He's, he's not fine. always in great movies, but he always I'm always entertained. I'm always I always enjoy watching him. I like him. You know what? I really do like him in the um, in like the Tony Scott stuff. I sure. really like him in like Taking of the Pelham. I yeah. really love him in, in uh, Inside Man. I, oh yeah. Like I think that that kind of ground level Denzel is really cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's really good in Training Day. Like I don't love Training Day as a movie. I like it, but he's really good. I mean, and again, that's kind of. I mean, that's a pretty fearless Denzel performance. Who should have gotten the Denzel slot? It's kind of I just I just want to yeah. uh, just yeah, move yeah. him aside oh, for yeah, this yeah. kind of forgettable movie. There's 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 maybe not a lot, but there's a lot. I mean, there's Tom Cruise <laughs> Tom for Eyes Wide Shut. That, that's sure. the obvious one, but but who else could it have been? Uh, Forrest Whitaker, Ghost Dog. Ghost. Oh, it's good. We just did, we that. did that two weeks ago. Yeah, he's really good. I movie. would I would do that in a in a heartbeat. That's interesting. He's really good. Uh, in that movie. He's amazing. There's others, uh, right? Uh, I mean, I'm, oh, there's there are plenty. I mean, we could. I'm just drawing a blank. I mean, I honestly, Matt Damon for Tantamus Ripley. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a pretty big snub, I especially think. coming off of Goodwill Hunting, where he did get nominated for that, and uh, with with Jude Law getting in. Yeah, Matthew Broderick for election. I mean, it yeah. never would have happened, but Reese is obviously amazing. But like the Broderick thing, the movie doesn't work without him. I would also say Nicolas Cage for bringing out the dead. Yeah, um, I think that's great. I think it's an uh, underrated I would movie. Say it, I would say Edward Norton. Um, for Fight Club? Yes. Interesting. Or Brad Pitt for Fight Club. The, yeah. e- either either I would be totally fine with. I also totally forgot Helena should have been for, that could have been a Best Actress or a Best Supporting Actor. Who? Yeah, that oh, would have oh, been a, yeah, a more supporting, supporting yeah. nomination. Uh, your man Johnny Depp. Sylvia Hollow. Yeah, no. Um, no. I'm just going to pass and- <laughs> on that one right now. Hell no. But for real, uh, Brandon Fraser and Dudley Do-Right. So, <laughs> no, actually for real, for real? Yeah. Alpha Molina and Dudley Do-Right. <laughs> I mean, here's, that's, I will say that if there's one thing that, there's a lot of things that annoy me about the Oscar nominations, and I know there's only five of them, and but the, the complete, ignoring of comedy of comedic performances drives me fucking mental every year because yeah. I think about how I think about how stacked the galaxy quest yeah. cast ah, is thinking about yeah. that and you're just yes. like none of them where is your Alan Rickman nomination where is your Alan Rickman nomination it happens every once in a while but it's like it but has to be I mean even you, you don't even get to Melissa McCarthy for for bridesmaids it has to be Jack Palance or it has Ugh. to be Marissa Tomei. It's so crazy. So it has to be its own little stars born moment, or it has to be the old guy, it, you know, it, Martin Landau and Ed Wood. 
it, right. it does. It, it has to be that. It has to be such a standout that it's yeah. that it's completely unavoidable. When it's, was the last time that happened? I'm I'm sure it's happened somewhat recently, but has it happened? I don't. I I mean, for, on a, for a comedy, yeah, comedies one actor or actress or been nominated. Quite frankly, well, Melissa McCarthy did get nominated. Did she? For Bridesmaids, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, she did. Yeah, she didn't win. Yeah. Okay, my apologies. I thought she didn't. Yeah. Oh no, she. she then that's she probably did. the last big. But one. What was the last win? Like the Jack Palance or the Marissa Tomei? Marissa Tomei. Yeah, and Kevin Klein. Yeah, Fishbone Klein was. Really I mean, good, which is an unbelievable. I mean. But again, like it's just it's so infrequent. Yeah, you guys keep talking. I'm doing. Yeah, some you, research. you do some research. Um, let's. Uh, why don't we talk director? It feels like uh, we're, we're there now. So, okay, the winner is uh, Sam Mendes for American Beauty. Kind of happened last year. What was it? Allison Janney. Oh God, that's and right. I guess that's Jesus. true. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So there you go. And maybe even Christoph Waltz, if you. Uh, but if that's funny, yeah, but I feel I feel where you're coming from. Yeah, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, because it is a, com- a comedic performance, but it's also a villain performance. I think it's. I mean, Allison Janney is. But yeah, Allison Janney would be yes. absolutely that. In- I so wanted. Uh, I so wanted. Laurie Metcalf to win. I thought you were like fifty uh, fifty. So did everybody. I was so Laurie Metcalf. I was all about Laurie Metcalf. I liked. Al- I mean, listen, I love Allison Janney. But it just felt like I saw as soon as I saw a screening of I Tanya, I was like, I mean, this is she's gonna win. It's just she's chewing, she's gnawing on the scenery. It's one of my, le- it's probably my least perfa- favorite performance of hers. I love her. <laughs> yeah, I Everyone love her. fucking loves her. She's the it, greatest. It's the most one note thing she's ever done. Yeah. It is. But she also, it's just like she's like, I can fucking hit this fastball so hard. Like yeah. I know <laughs> this. Yeah. And it just, she, she yeah. got all the she got all the good lines. She got all she got everything to 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 seal it. So yeah, she really she killed it. Good for her. Uh, best director, you've got Sam Mendes, American Beauty, Spike Jones being John Malkovich, Lasse Hallstrom for The Cider House Rules, Michael Mann for The Insider, and M Night Shyamalan for The Sixth Sense. Um, I have to say, of all the things that I have that I take issue with with American Beauty today the direction is not is at the bottom of the list of problems i have it's at the top for me really that was the conversation i think we, i thought we were having I, I, was that the the, the director misunderstood misunderstood the screenplay I, I, when i say okay I, I i mean that the aesthetic direction of the film i think that the way the film looks i think the tone of the film i mean whether or not he misinterpreted the peaks and valleys i agree with you that's my point yes um when i think of I mean, this is a man who's never directed a film before. He's come from theater and he, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think about some of the scenes and, and how he directs the actors. I think he did. I think he did a, a pretty phenomenal job. Uh, what are your thoughts, Eric? I, I actually agree very much. And I think the fact that, that it is his first film and that he comes from a theatrical background could have made this a really static uh, film, but he completely broke out of theater and and made something extremely cinematic. I so agree. so in in that regard, I think it's uh, I, I I don't begrudge that element of it. I would also say too, you know, he he's helped by some truly stunning photography um conrad hall's photography in the film is is really really gorgeous um it and and not you know not showy it's not a you know i i think that it's a deceptively simple film De- and i and i don't deceptively showy 
Yes, it doesn't sure. feel showy, but it is. It, 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 I guess that's true. Yeah, too, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that it's. It, I don't it, know. I think it's super showy. I, I like. Okay, fair enough. I fair think enough. that's. I think that that's how I feel too. Okay, fair I, 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 think, I, don't, I think he. Yeah. I think he. You, I think Sam Mendes really uh, exploited the best crew and talent that he that he could uh, with 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 who he brought on. But but yeah, visually, I think what Conrad Hall does is expand the the frame in a way that, again, for a movie like this, doesn't usually get. It's usually a pretty static box. Yeah. And 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 between lighting and and actor positioning and blocking and color, it's it's a and obviously color, which is a huge component in this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's a great fucking looking movie. It's, I think what, I think what you're saying essentially is, um, Phil, it's not Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. So, I, and I think that he, I, I think Sam Mendes gets showier, I guess is the point I'm trying to make as, as his films progress. I think the next film he does, Roger Perdition is, is a, is a much more, uh, no, look at what I'm doing. Look, look at the way I could shoot rain. Right. Um, and, and obviously, you know, how he directs the the Bond films. I think there's something that's interesting in this Best Director nomination, which is that this is five first-time nominees. None of these people have been have been nominated for Best Director before. Uh, and three brand-new voices, mm-hmm. which I think is also very interesting. And one who had been around for... I'm not talking about Halstrom. Okay. Forget him. But one, <laughs> but one who had been around for a little while but yes. had never been treated like this. Correct. Um, even and, though, and again, I think this just speaks to the director branch and and how they vote. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I, I, you know, Michael Mann is a guy who's obviously, you know, he's been around for ages. He's made many films that are revered, um, but he breaks through with a film that is he gets out of the Miami Vice cool lane that he's been in for a very long time, and he does a film that's very that's very human. That is uh, that he takes all of his tools that he's learned over the years and he applies them to something that is very sort of uh, very real. Obviously, it's a real story, but it's it's I think it's his best film. I probably like Heat more, but I think the insider. I like like Heat more. But I think, I think the Insider is a better movie. I think Heat's a better movie, but whatever. We're we're yeah, we're, we're really splitting hairs. But I, I think also, that, but yeah. I also love, but I love the eighties. I mean, the eighties stuff. Like I yeah, think Manhunter. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Manhunter's the best Hannibal Lecter. Absolutely. Movie, so absolutely, he's great. Yeah. So it it's it's it, to me, it's like yes, I'm obviously going to give this. I'm going to give this award in '99. I'm going to give it to Sam Mendes. Today, I give it to Spike Jones, and I don't even fucking think twice about it. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's not even a question in my mind. It would be Spike Jones, and the, I would probably rank it Spike Jones, Michael Mann, Sam Mendes, Shyamalan, Hallstrom. Meet, uh, yeah. That feels right. That's basically what I would do. So we're back to picture. Kenny, many moons ago, you mentioned you wanted to talk about something about picture. Do you remember what that was? Or no, cause I, I mean, I kind of wanted to break down these nominees, but, but I think we've kind of done it. We did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, you know, I mean, there, there's, there are things about the Oscars that I, I'm kind of. Did into. we rank actor though? I don't think we ranked actor. We didn't rank actor. Um, I would rank them: Farnsworth, Crow, Penn, Spacey, Washington. Wow. <laughs> I actually think <laughs> if I could do it again, yeah. if I had the magic wand and I can renominate, I don't think I would necessarily include any of these five guys. 
<laughs> so yeah, they, they don't really. I mean, maybe Farnsworth, but the the rest don't really excite me that much. Um, I would probably. You've been seeing the insider and Sweden Loden in a while, though. For what that's it's worth, true. I, that's, that's true. That's I wasn't. I wasn't throwing. No, shade no, it's me. true. It's true. But um, and we haven't done a lot of these movies. The only one that we we've, we've done straight story. We've done American Beauty. But I, I think I would go Farnsworth, Spacey, Crow, Penn, Washington. But this is not that thrilling to me. I'm 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 the same as Kenny. I'm Farnsworth, uh, Crow, Penn. Spacey Washington, right? Is that what it was? I think I went Spacey about or Washington, Penn, but same. Um, yeah, I, I could I could be a little interchangeable with them. Yeah, but I th- I think actually I would I would want to pick Penn more because there's there's something about Spacey's performance that is such a um, familiar Spacey snark performance. For sure. In fact, I always say that this is basically his exact same performance. In that he gave in the ref, it's the same performance. That's so funny. He, yeah, he just he just won the Oscar for this. It's the same fucking everything. Yeah, he's he's. This is a performance that similar to um, uh, Allison Janney that we were talking about earlier, where it's just like he just got all the ball. Like he just knows how to do this in his sleep, and this is not a hard performance for him. And it's also it's what yes. we wanted from him. You yeah, know what I mean? <clears throat> we talked about Tobey Maguire a lot last episode. And Tobey Maguire, to me, is one of those guys that, that Hollywood put out there and said, this is what you want, right? And I think America kind of rejected it. And I think America said, no, that's not what we want. Um, every, let me re- rephrase that. This is different, but it's what you want, is what I think they were getting at, right? <laughs> and I think with Spacey, it's the same thing. We're like, this is different, but this is what you want. And America was like, fuck, yeah, we want yep. this guy. Like, mm-hmm. there was a time where this weirdo, and before all the issues – he was always weird. This weirdo was like Tom Hanks level mm-hmm. for a moment. Mm-hmm. He was hosting SNL and having bits about himself, you know, like bits where he was America doing the Jack, this guy. the Jack Lemmon stuff and the Christopher Walken stuff. And he mm-hmm. was, he was, I mean, he was doing the, the concerts with, uh, he was doing like the, the crooner concerts and he played Bobby Darren and, um, he was really like America's sweetheart for about 10 years. Like America really did love him. This performance more than anything was part of the reason performance where, you know, creeps on a 16 year old. But, um, and, and I would say too, your house of cards gave him a whole new lease on life as well. I think that that show really kind of put him in a new, you know, but all it's, this, all this funny being said, people are never going to actually talk about, I, I think that shows terrible, but people are never going to actually talk about that in terms of what it did for the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, a real deal movie star, which he was, he still was taking a, a role on a streaming service. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, people don't talk enough about how crazy that whole Netflix they, deal was. And they never will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to talk just very briefly before we wrap up about the actual telecast itself. Do you remember anything about it? Because oh I can't remember a fucking thing. Billy, Billy Crystal, Crystal hosted, hosted. it. <laughs> well, I, I, remember, I remember the blank Canada performance. Sure. The Robin Williams. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. So this, this was like, like I said, so this was 2000. This was at the, I was working at a, a video store. Um, and so we would have Oscar parties every year, which were inevitably always costume parties too. So you would dress up as somebody from a film that year and, you know, usually a nominee. So my costume that year was actually Lester Burnham when he's working in the fast food store. Amazing. So I, I made everything, the shirt, the hat, the, uh, 
the headpiece, uh, everything, all of it. And that's actually what I ended up remembering the most about, <laughs> about that. Do you still other, have these parties? Than, Can I come? That? Do you still have these ah! parties? God, I really wish I, I should. I should. Because that's, I did Aaron so Brockovich funny. like the next year. I just want to that say was- something real quick. I was just looking at the ratings for yeah. the telecast. So in 1999, 46.5 million people watched it. Last yeah. year, look, look at how long 26. Look at, how, look at how long that uh, four hours show. and nine minutes. Exactly. <laughs> I could talk about this shit for fucking ever. <laughs> like, yeah. So what's don't happening? tell the Academy that you need a three hour oh, show. No, they don't. That's get not it. the reason ratings are going down. I mean, you're you know you're obviously. Someone who I think I agree, I I can agree with, which is, which is essentially, I love the Oscars and I want, my name is Kenny Nabart and I I love the Oscars. I want a lot of it. I want the performances. I even like the montages that people shit on. People, people People are lying if they don't like a montage. I I am there because I want a good fucking dose of Hollywood history put into perspective with a montage, contextualize it. Put a song over it. I want, I like, that's what I want out of my Oscars. You can give me more and more and more. It's always over too soon. When they come out to award best actress and best actor, I'm like, this is over. It's over already. What the yeah. fuck? It's only 1230. Yeah. yeah. It's, oh, it man. is, it is amazing to me that this telecast for over four hours long, you know, you've and got, everyone loved it, loved everyone. <laughs> and they everyone fucking loved it. Shit up. <laughs> and it's, you know, and yes. Okay. So you have, you have your sixth sense, right? So that's a, that's a big hit movie in your top in your in your best pictures but you know the next year you've got you know gladiator chocolate crouching tiger aaron brockovich and traffic it's three out three and a half hours still gets 42 million people watching it it's a half hour shorter but you know i know people yeah. think that like you need to nominate the big movies to get the audiences i i think that's crazy i i, I really don't think yeah. that 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 the the in general that the people who saw Bohemian Rhapsody are tuning in because they're so excited to see if Bohemian Rhapsody is going to win. I also there's, just, sorry, go ahead, Eric. There's only one really, I think, real example of the movie propelling the uh, the audience, and that was Titanic, which yeah. is still the largest uh, audience. And that's certainly uh, the exception. I think it's the but exception, it's, too. It, I, I believe and, and that it, Titanic did it, but that's it. I mean, historically, it is the exception. Yeah. And it's it's so bizarre to to watch the Academy fumble this on a daily basis of 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 why they think they need to do things and like move categories away and and have a popular film Oscar and not acknowledge even for a moment the changing landscape of how people watch television and that there are three times as many channels so yes you're going to have 46 and a half million people because there aren't 500 shows on at the same time and they're not even contextualizing that at all they're only looking at it as as this like weird bottom line uh thing and it's 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 always the thing that i that i struggle with with not just you know hollywood but with super very much so with with the oscars which i i always feel like is is like a really shitty boyfriend but you like (laughs) you know he'll just say horrible horrible things but you're like oh my god he'll say sorry once and give moonlight a win uh, and then you come back and everything's (laughs) 
and it <laughs> happens good. all the time. That's very true. So I, I, I want to do one thing. Um, now, obviously, the Oscars were already given out, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to talk about the uh, Oscars from this year. But what do you guys think would have been, let's say, the five popular film nominees? Oh, God, the fucking popular thing. Let's say it happened. What would have, what have, would have been nominated? The, I mean, this Black is Panther. the crazy thing because they never they never got to establish what the parameters of that would be or who would be voting on them because they so foolishly said Bleh. they yeah. barked out that this was going to happen with no plan. Well, let's just throw out let's throw out what we think the nominees would be and then argue about whether or not they would actually count. I mean, I think that I mean ultimately, I think the barometer Eric would have probably just been box office. I mean, if they're if they're talking about popularity, who how knows? many times people? But let's just say it was box office. It's most likely going to be your Black Panthers, your Last Jedi's. You know, well, that um, wasn't not, that wasn't even this year. Well, okay, then fucking I don't know. Solo. I mean, part of this you is you don't just want to like, play the game, man. Or I'll play the game. No, you play. I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm, my apologies. Please play the game. I'll play the game that I invented. The game is what would have been nominated this year. Solo would not have been nominated. Um, I love that you think that popular can't be bought, right? Uh, no, I think it could be bought, okay. but let's pretend it wouldn't be. Okay. Um, Black Panther would have been nominated for sure. Yes. Star is Born would have been nominated. Yes. Yes. Bohemian Rhapsody would have been nominated. Yes. Yeah. Um, after that, like, then we get into this question yeah. of like, okay, Green Book, Green Book is a studio movie made by a studio friendly director with big actors made about $50 million. Does that qualify? I'm going to say it doesn't. I'm going to say we're talking about tentpole movies, I think. And then I, so I think you're getting into after that. I don't know. I think maybe Avengers. you're talking about Avengers. That's what I was going to mm-hmm. say. Infinity War would have been nominated, I think. Yep. And then I think you might have gotten Bumblebee or Aquaman. Or I'll throw out one more. I think Aquaman for sure. I think Bumblebee or Aquaman or maybe Spider-Verse. So, uh, I think either Spider-Verse or Incredibles 2 because I think I think that would have created uh, the, the animated component for it. So I, I – here's a question for you, Eric, because it, it feels like we're circling this. And I think that this this is the crux of the Oscars and it's the thing that they're grappling with right now, which is relevancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they're, how – They're super fucking relevant. That's how I really feel. That they're, they're if super, you can see, Eric. They, no, they are because Eric. they're super fucking relevant. They're only two. They're only really like three ish reasons movies are made. They're either made to be massive temple. I'm talking about by the studio system. Massive temple. Mm-hmm. Massive temples to bring in lots and lots of people. Your singles. You know your your a simple favors and things like that. Your serenities. These movies that are are, are being made trying to make you know twice the budget or mm-hmm. Oscar plays. That's it. That's the list. If you have this entire third, I think, of the industry, and I would include the movies we talked about that don't even get nominated, the Vox Luxes and um, the uh, On the Basis of Sex and those things that extend out to probably 40, 50 movies made every year by the studio system, specifically for this one award show. I think they're massively relevant. When I say relevant, I I think that that what they're struggling with right now is, is that the landscape has changed. And the veracity and the ability to speak out about movies, be it through Twitter or other social media, has put them behind the eight ball. And they yes. don't know how to scratch all these itches and, and be able to, quite frankly, placate the audience. So what you get is your nominees come out there and then there's this fervent craziness that happens when this movie doesn't get nominated or this movie does get nominated or this movie wins and they don't know how to juggle these knives. So 
that's what I mean when I say relevancy. I agree with you, Kenny, that as, as an award, they still hold meaning to this industry, but to the, the, the audience at large now that used to not have a pulpit with which to yell at this award show, they now uh-huh. do. Yes. I, I just want to backtrack for a second. I missed a couple of really good popular film nominations. For fuck's sake. Oh I thought uh, I made a pretty valid argument yeah, there. Yeah, I, I, I hope you're going to mention like Venom or something. No, no, no. I, no, I, I'm really, truly good ones that actually will, <laughs> that actually will make you hope that there was a that there was a, a like category. Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> a Quiet Place. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Crazy, yeah, that would be, crazy rich Asians. It. Yes. Yes. That was last year. Um, oh, Mary Poppins. Nah, maybe. Uh, well, just movies that could have been. It's not nominated. even a hit. It's a total. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wet fart. Uh, Creed two. The Mary Floppins. Mary Floppins. Oh. Creed two. Um, that's, that's interesting. That's the extent of those movies. Those that, are all good. That calls. I think could have been nominated. Yeah. Maybe Hereditary. So, no. Here's here's my question to you, Eric. Which yes. is, how do they fix this? Is there a way to fix this? They tripped over their own dick with this popular thing. <laughs> Obviously. So how do you unring that bell and how do you find a way to, I don't know, split this somehow to, to, to have a popular category or, or, or something like that? Do you, what do you do? Oh, I, I just want to be on record. I think the popular category is the dumbest. I'm not really advocating for it. I'm trying to have fun, yeah. but like, I think it's the dumbest. Yeah. So please. I, I think it's dumb too, but I do think that there would be, there is a way to have made that a, a relevant to what their needs were and what their what, what their hopes were. Right. And even even though this is not something that I would want them to do, I think the only way that it would have been successful would have been to make it uh, an audience participation and an audience voted award. Oh, that's interesting. And I don't and I don't actually see a too much of a problem with that with with a single thing other shows do that mtv movie awards do that and film festivals do it yeah and like you said because there is because there is now an avenue for the public at large and for audiences outside of you know film twitter and all that stuff uh to be able to speak to things that they like and things that they don't like this is how you're going to engage in in this era. I vote for that. That's a great idea. I, I agree too. I'm a hundred percent behind I, that. And I think that would work because then you're 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 invested in something. And this and this is something I I, I have talked about many 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 times. And that is that part of the reason for people thinking that the Oscars are are irrelevant. Is because once, even once the show comes around, when you have all of these super late December small films that are just kind of eking out their platform releases, the majority of the country and certainly of the world, because it is an international audience, has not seen a great deal of the movies. Yeah. So there's 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 nothing that they can root for. This isn't like I. I, I wish in a way that it, that the Oscars would take more cues from uh, sports 
and from that hmm. kind of, of fandom where you can have something that you can really rally behind that you that you like and that, that you want to see win or succeed. It's going to be really super interesting next year because the Oscars are moving up pretty dramatically up to February 9th, which is two weeks wow. most uh, ahead of, of what this year was. And that means that everything, all of the award shows and all of the release dates are going to have to really grapple with that. So if studios were more willing, and even small ones, more willing to move things back a little bit, I think you would see, I think you would see uh, the audience return because they would have something to root for. They would I, have I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think that I, I know why the Academy is, is, is reticent to do it. I get that they feel like on some level it might make them feel uh, as though they don't matter as much or the Academy itself doesn't matter as much, but I think the olive branch and what it, what it would do to the audience and what it would do to get people engaged again with that show um, is worth it for one award. I think it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. The, the, the only problem with that is that is the, the, the film festival system because those are n- not likely going to budge and you've got can, which is always in May. Right. You have Telluride, which is the first week of September and you have Toronto, which is the second yeah. week of September. And I don't think those are going to, to move or to change. And it will be a, a struggle for films to find a release date that works for them. Uh, that allows them to build uh, an audience and build buzz before we get to the glut of December critics awards and right. January uh, industry awards. Well, we, I mean, I'll be very curious to see how it all plays out. I mean, I think that, you know, this, this air date of the Oscars is, is always sort of, is, there's a fluidity to it, you know, it's, it's, it's moved around. And, and if, and if this move uh, has a negative impact, we might see that move it again. But I, I think that big picture wise, I think, you know, your, your idea of, of, a, of a audience award of some sort feels um, like the best way to get people back in the back in the tent. So I hope that they, you know, I hope they find some way to do it and, and also find a PR person to help them fucking launch it so that they know what the hell they're doing. Yes. And better producers. And they have got to kick out John Bailey. He's the worst president that they've ever had. Well, uh, yeah, on that note, um, <laughs> we're going to we're going to wrap this up and say uh, that next week we're doing Blue Streak um, with uh, Anupam Nigam, who's one of the writers on uh, on Station 19 with me. Um, we're going to do the uh, the Martin Lawrence faux cop movie, um, which uh, which I'm excited about. Have you watched it yet? I haven't watched it yet. I'm excited to watch it. It's an interesting historical document. <laughs> <laughs> noted um eric thank wow. you so much for coming on we we honestly had a we wish we could do this for three more hours seriously this is like this is i know Oscar i can i can talk out. about the oscars until well, my voice goes <laughs> let's let's set a date right now for two weeks earlier next year yeah okay to talk about we'll save something maybe we'll save some we'll save something, we'll save something. that was uh that was oscar relevant and yeah. we can talk about um next year's oscars and and maybe break down this actual telecast. I would, and I would also, honestly, I'd love to do like a deep dive into below the line as well. I think that that would be 
I think that'd be. Yeah, we should fun save. To do. We, we should save Red Violin for him. Talk about its score. Win. <laughs> but but I, I mean, <laughs> just, I'm not. I, <laughs> Thomas Newman. But I I truthfully I I think that you know we we didn't talk about all the Oscars. Like we talked about the big ones, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. we have. We should do. Let's do another episode where we find another movie and we do a deep dive in, into Below the Line and and all that stuff. And over the years, how maligned that stuff is. Like that frustrates mm-hmm. me too. That people they're like, oh, all they care about are the fucking movie stars, and it's like I think that's I think that's unfair. But but we will do that. And uh, Eric, thank you so, so much for coming on. We can't wait to do that with you. Ah, thanks for having me. This was awesome. All All right. right. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. You want a podcast like it? Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.